Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. And if Rob's voice sounds a little bit different, that's because we are doing something unusual this week. We are doing this podcast over Skype. I am calling from my abode and Rob is calling from his abode. We were meant to do it, weren't we, Rob, when you were in Manchester, but what happened, mate? Something happened to you, didn't it? Well, the, the first time we were due to record, I went to see The Force Awakens, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. We haven't had a chance to actually talk about this yet, have we? Yeah, we'll talk about um, that in a second. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the second time was due to be last night. For those who are uh, fastidious about our recording dates, we are recording on the 29th of December, uh, two days before uh, New Year's Eve. And um, unfortunately, last night I had, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a suitable uh, colloquialism, um, a dicky belly, I think it was. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was it was a slightly unpleasant situation. Um, I'm it's still weird. trying to think what it was. Oh, it's weird that it was a sorry, pardon the pun, but a flash in the pan because you say you're not ill today. No, I mean I was having cramps for about yesterday lunchtime, and um, uh, the main event, as we should call it, happened maybe sort of mid afternoon. Um, and uh, you do I look think, you do look quite drained. I'm, I don't know what it is. I mean, I haven't been sleeping particularly well either. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think when we well, took well, to go up to see my partner's family, it tends to be quite a, a hectic affair because she's got a big family. So we tend to, be, there's not a lot of time to sort of rest and relax. It's quite yeah. a, a full on, yeah, full on experience. And I guess chronic diarrhea as well will uh, tend to drain a person. Well, I mean, it literally takes it out of you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for, our, for our listeners uh, who are wondering, we, we did say in our last episode that we might have an episode out for Christmas. That that never happened. We also said no, no, that... No, 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 We have had an episode out before Christmas. Well, yeah, but we actually said on that episode there might be another one. And we also said that that, that episode true. would feature exclusively listener stories. Well, it's not going to. And the reason for that is maybe we should do that in a new year. Because the reason it's not going to is that there's such a quality of stories around at the moment. We have to read them out. I've got some crackers. I don't know about you, Rob. Again, pardon the pun. I have. Um, it's a pity we can't pull a cracker um, over Skype. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, what we could do, we could pull one each uh, and then. I haven't got any. Actually, no, nor have I. Actually, it's a shit idea. Forget it. I think I think the idea of you and I pulling off our crackers in our in our um, own local residences sounds a bit odd, Rob. Um, you went I mean, to see... It would be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. You went. I've pulled a few today. You went to see The Force Awakens. <laughs> I, I did, yes, I did. Yeah. I've seen it three times. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, three times in three separate cinemas. Um, what did you think? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought that... Um, I think that the casting was excellent. Yeah, I the thought cast that the story... I thought the storyline was was fantastic. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought it was a it was a fitting um, continuation of the Star Wars. Because it's interesting, because um, you've been watching the saga, you've been watching them all, haven't you? Have you actually watched all six before this one, or did you not get the chance? No, we haven't. Unfortunately, right. not. We got we got as far. I think we're on. Uh, we're currently on Revenge of the Sith. Right. Um, did Sarah enjoy this one more than the prequels? Out of interest, she did. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so did she enjoy the prequels? She found them a tad boring. Right, this, is, this is what I hear. I enjoy the prequels, but... But to be fair to her, she says she wants to stick with it. She wants to see the other the other four films as well. So we're, we're going to continue on. She's got staying power, that's for sure. Well, uh, I do actually have a story relating to that later, Rob. But otherwise, okay. happy Christmas. I mean, I did text you on the day, but did you, uh, did you get everything you wished for or...? 
I did that and more. What did you? World peace. What did you ask for? Did you? What did you want? Just, just a square meal. <laughs> right. Okay. And a haircut. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like you had the haircut yet, but maybe. Right. That's... <laughs> I mean, that's just rude. But um, yeah, no, it was. I'm I trying to think what my. There's a few things I, I I asked for, but yeah, it was it was very nice. I got some bits and pieces, and uh, yeah. I mean, how how was your Christmas? Yeah, it was. I was down in Dorset. I came back yesterday. Um, it was with the family. It was it was good. Yeah, I did have one day as well where I had um, very bad stomach cramps, which is weird um, for a whole day. And I suspect it was something I ate or something like that. But I don't know. Rob, I wanted to ask you: Have you did you actually wish our listeners happy Christmas on Facebook? Uh, if you if you go and look at the last episode, it is is it's in the um, the blurb of ah. each episode. It does. It- a very happy Christmas. So do you have I any? Forgotten. Do you have any updates? Have any listeners contacted us? Is there anything you need to say? Only one. Yes, um, we've had another very generous donation uh, from a listener who, obviously, I'm not going to reveal. I'm yet to send him um, an email just to thank him, but I will do that in due course. You didn't tell me about um, this. Can I ask uh, how much it was? Alex, I did text you. I texted you on Christmas Eve saying this. But no, I didn't, didn't get, get a response. I didn't get the text, mate. Oh. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I, I promise you, I did text you. Right. Um, I, 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 I'll tell you off air. That's probably better. Right, okay. Well, anyway, so, well, whoever that person was, and I'm sure Rob will tell me off air, that, a huge thank you. And anybody who would like to donate to this podcast, because we do do it for free and we do operate at a loss and it would be very helpful to us, please donate as much as you can. Now, Rob, should we get on with the podcast? Absolutely. As it's a tradition, Rob, I'm just going to kick us off here with a few. I've only got a few short stories, but um, I don't really know where to start. I particularly, Rob, enjoyed this, um, which was from the new shopper uh, by Simon Ball. And it was just before Christmas. And I thought, what a heartwarming kind of story to sort of settle you into Christmas. Um, the headline is, your Christmas lights could kill you. <laughs> top, five, top five tips on home electrics to help you stay, stay safe and keep fire risk down. I mean, as you're as you're getting ready for Christmas, preparing for the family, I don't think the the first thing you need to read in your local paper is your Christmas lights could kill you. You mean you will be sitting around opening your presents, then looking at the Christmas tree and thinking actually that could be a potential dust trap? Yeah, a fire a fire hazard drop, a fire hazard. Yeah, yeah. Um, these were their five tips, Rob. I just wanted to know if you've been following them. I'm not going to read them out in detail. I'm just going to read you out what they are. Um, okay. Number one, don't overload your sockets, Rob. I haven't done that actually. No, I know I've stuck. I've stuck by that. Good. I've done, uh, made that mistake before. Do not rewire your lights. Uh, you don't even know what that means, do you? That's good. Uh, right. Make sure lights you use outside are certified safe for external use. Do you put any lights outside your house, Rob? Nope, just naked flames. <laughs> do not leave lights on for long periods. Did you leave them on when you went to Manchester? Yeah, but obviously, but that I mean that that helps the cats get into the festive spirit. Right. Well, that was a fire risk. And number five, always use Christmas lights that have been certified for use. And obviously, you will have failed that one, Rob, because I am almost certain you bought them from a pound shop. No, Alex, these are, these are certified. These are the ones. This ones I get from China that aren't. Ah, right. Um, next story, very short. This is this is the epitome of Patrick Grafton Green's stock in trade, the short, slightly comical story. It's incredibly short. It's from Christmas Eve, Rob. And the headline is simply, man's motorbike stolen by, in quotes, thieving elf in Woolwich. Lovely. Lovely stuff. 
CCTV has been released after a man's motorbike was stolen in Woolwich. Jewel Ahmed's black Honda CRB125 was taken on December 21st by somebody who he described as a, in quotes, unhelpful, naughty, little thieving elf. Right. <laughs> I quite like that as an episode title, Rob, surely. An unhelpful, naughty, thieving little elf. Mm, that's good. I like that. And the bike was stolen at about 2.40am in Woodhill. Um, and then they've released a CCTV image of a man who looks nothing like an elf. I think the man was just using a colloquialism. It wasn't actually a man dressed as an elf who stole it. It's just an ordinary-looking bloke in a hoodie. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what the correct um, term is. I mean, for the um, – how do I put this? The height-impaired? It couldn't be one of them, could it? Um, do you see I, what I'm getting at here? No, Rob. I think you'll have to spell it out to me. <laughs> A midget, Alex. A midget. Oh, a dwarf. No, no. He's a regular heighted person. Now, right. Rob, last story. 21st of December. Fiona Simpson. I love this story, Rob, and I'm very eager to hear um, <laughs> your always interesting um, observations and uh, speculations about these kind of things. You're really going to enjoy this. <laughs> Can I just say, um, I, I hope if I have offended anyone with the term midget, I apologise. I'm definitely not sure what the correct term is. Here's... Here is the headline, Rob, and our listeners, please enjoy this story. It's only short, but it's worth reading. Have you heard the mutant wolf of Belvedere? Mystery oh noise. God. Mystery noise haunts sleeping families. Right. So I'm very interested about what ideas you may have for what this mystery noise could be, Rob. So here's the story. Mystery surrounds are, in quotes, haunting animal-like howling, which plagues sleeping residents of Belvedere. Sleepy okay. folk claim the scary moaning, in quotes, oh, can, Christ. can be heard from Clydesdale Way, Norman Road and Upper Belvedere every night and into the early morning. Chloe Philpot, 25, said, in quotes, over the past month or so, I've been hearing an extremely haunting animal-like howling. <laughs> it's repetitive, but each sound is never the same. I know a few people in the area who've tried to search for the source to no avail. It's getting scary. Any oh, ideas so far, Rob? Sounds like it could be your lesbian neighbours, doesn't it? Or your ex-lesbian neighbours. Well, has anyone even suggested that this might be an outcome? Because it sounds like, well, it sounds more than possible that it's just someone having quite um, animalistic sex, to be honest. All the way through the night, Rob, for hour after hour. Well, I don't know how long you can last for, but I'm, I'm at it for days on end. <laughs> that, that, that's a blatant lie. That explains <laughs> your rather dishevelled appearance. <laughs> that's what Christmas has been Miss, Miss Philpot who likened the in quotes pitiful screeching to a nice. in quotes mutant owl <laughs> so, why, the noise why would that be the first noise, thing she thinks well, just rather than a regular owl no Rob it sounds like a okay, mutant yeah. owl what does a mutant okay. owl sound like I'm not really sure <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was it be anything yeah <laughs> Uh, that sounded like a Sorry. cat. Yeah. She took to Facebook in a bid to get to the bottom of the sound. Several people suspect the noise is being made by a fox, which is to me the most likely explanation. Have you ever heard the noises yeah. fox make? They make that's yeah, the noise I mean, they make. Yeah. However, Jim Morrison, uh, not not the, 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 the <laughs> not the dead Jim Morrison from the doors, just another Jim Morrison. <laughs> uh, unless he's relocated to Belvedere and that's where he's been, puts it yeah. down. He puts the noise down, Rob, to the mutant wolf of Belvedere. Now, 
Thank God there are comments. Um, Ted Tastic says, Residents of Thamesmead have been hearing the same noise for the last few months. So this is in a different area, Rob. I looked out my window when I heard it in the early hours of the morning recently. It was a man wandering around on his own, howling like a fox and making a loud growling noise. He was waving his arms around as he walked up the middle of the road, stepping in front of moving cars, waving his arms and growling aggressively at drivers. He then went on to smash up a phone box (laughs) before continuing to make loud, strange noises as he disappeared into another street. Could be that we have a madman on the loose. So this has now gone from um, from a mutant owl to a mutant wolf to a man who's clearly mentally ill. Smashing up phone boxes, which is the sort of thing you used to do in Streets of Rage. Ah, I remember that game well, yeah. Or Double Dragon. Yeah. Definitely never played that. Um, you've never played Double Dragon? Not that I remember, no. My God, that just shows our slight age difference. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but Sue Burt simply brings all the speculation down to earth with a thud, Rob. And she simply says, it's a wind turbine in Eastern Way. It only just started making the noise the last couple of weeks. Sounds louder at night. Brilliant. Case closed. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, Rob, you've got a story for us there then. Yeah, the first one is from the uh, the Stride News and Journal. Um, and the journalist is by the SNJ reporter. Ah, oh, right. Face, um, faceless. Well, no, it says, see, it says that, but then it also goes back and gives the actual name of, of the, the, the journalist, which seems a bit strange. So it's also by Saul Cook-Brown and Ashley Loveridge. Maybe it was a um, collaboration between all three. Opting to two um, genuine journalists and the robot. Yeah, I think the robot did most of the heavy lifting, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably true. Maybe the, robot, maybe the robot is code word for Microsoft Word Spellcheck. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. A- and grammar. Jesus, that's, that's, I think you may have actually hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Anyway, he- headline, foul play. Talkie United mascot, Gilbert the Gull, banned from attending Forest Green Rovers match on New Year's Day. Oh, why? What did he do? Has he pecked somebody well, to death? Well, it doesn't actually quite say, but we'll come, we'll come on to it. So, Gilbert the Gull is not, happy, is not a happy bird after Forest Green Rovers refused to allow the mascot to attend the New Year's game at New Lawn. New Lawn, by the way, is, is the home of Forest Green Rovers, who I think I'm right in saying playing in the what would be the Conference South. I think that's what they, I think that's the league they play in. And yeah. New Lawn is there, is their ground. Insignificant. Um, well, <laughs> I just saw you leaving a bit of context would be nice. Yeah. Um, the Torquay United mascot is angry after he was told he cannot attend the clash with FGR. Uh, Steve uh, Jurgut, uh, who wears the costume, said, all I want to do is entertain the fans, have a dance off with their mascot at halftime, have a kickabout and high five everyone. <laughs> Fast Green won't give me the clearance. Sorry. Right, and there's no explanation as to why this man won't be allowed. Well, I, I'll just read it. So, Forest Green won't give me the clearance. It's laughable. Mr. Jagert claims that FGR told him the mascot would be a security risk. Right. They've got their own mascot, I assume. They, yes, they do, yeah. Um, is it, is it their a... mascot is... Um, where is it? It does say in the article. Um, uh, what do FGR stand for, Rob? 
Forest Green Rovers. Sorry. So Forest Green That's- Rovers, because obviously this country is at uh, is at the, the highest level of security threat, as you know, Rob. We're yeah. on we're on red alert. Forest Green Rovers are really uh, taking this on board because presumably they so. assume that a man wearing a seagull outfit could be anybody inside that costume. And therefore, Absolutely. it sounds to me like they are worrying that Forest Green Rovers could be the victim of a terrorist attack. I think, I mean, let's face it, we know that, because uh, Forest Green, by the way, is is is, uh, is in Stroud. And we know that Stroud is quite a, 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 lib- a liberal town and so would be a prime target for <laughs> can, jihadis. Can you, can you imagine jihadis taking out Stroud? <laughs> I mean, also this full match. I don't. I mean, I don't know what their what their average crowd attendance is, but I can't imagine it's more than five hundred. A Stroud, a, a, Stroud a Stroud spectacular, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, a spokesman for Forest Green Rovers said, "Our standard policy is that at Forest Green Rovers is not allowing mascots from away clubs into the stadium. Our, our own green mascot is covered by the insurance policy in place at the club." So the mascots allowed to hang around outside then? I assume so. Yeah, taunting fans. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe shit. selling off tickets. I don't well, know. Well, if it's a seagull shitting on cars, or, yeah, or you know, incite, uh, inciting uh, Islamic hatred. <laughs> um, right. However, let's go, go back to the talkie mascot. It's not the first time that the, the talkie mascot has made headlines. Last year, Gilbert was the centre of controversy when he allegedly swore supporters and gestured for a fight during a match against Grimsby Town. Right, so there is another element to this. So what did he do? He swore at supporters dressed as a seagull and made gestures indicating he wanted a fight. Yes. Right. With uh, with away supporters. Ah. Um, however, in, in the interest of balance, the mascot denies swearing or gesturing at the fans during the incident. Right. Okay, so does he claim he was just uh, giving them the bird, Rob? Oh, very good, Alex. Yeah. I don't think I can top that. Okay, it is now time for our general anaesthetic segment, which is where rather than looking at local news, I cover a, a story that has made the national news uh, in a national paper. That's basically how it works. And Rob, there's only really one story for me. To, I mean, there's plenty that I could talk about. Plenty. Uh, the flooding. Uh, so yeah, I heard there was a lot of flooding in Manchester. I heard, obviously not in the city centre, but um... well, actually, it was quite close to us. It was on the news. Did you see about a place called um, Somerset? Yeah. Um, well, Somerset is literally two miles away from Bury, and um, I've been we've been down there a few times, and I know I know exactly what it was. It literally is a short drive from where Sarah lives. Did you go down to help out? No. Right. So, Rob, this is <laughs> this is the story. Um, I believe it's from the, oh God, I don't know what paper it's from. I think it's the Independent. I'm, yeah, oh yeah, it is the Independent. I'm sure you've heard of this. If you haven't, this is the story that's related to The Force Awakens. It has soured my whole experience of it. Um, the headline is, it's by Matt Dathan. I'm, I'd be really surprised if you didn't hear about this. Star Wars. George Osborne criticised after being The Force Awakens credit. Have you heard about this? Uh, uh, I may have done. Rob, if you sit through to the end of that film, at the end, very end of the credits, it says we personally, no, thanks to George Osborne. Are you being serious? His name is no, listed in the bloody credits forevermore, part of Star Wars canon, George Osborne, Chancellor of the Exchequer. I'll, I'll explain. Did I not also read that him and, him and Cameron turned up to the premiere? 
I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but here we go. The Chancellor okay. committed, the, the, the strap line to this headline is the Chancellor committed £25 million of public money to the film, but it's unusual for ministers to be thanked in name, by name in film credits. Right. George Osborne has been given a credit in the latest Star Wars film, The Force Awakens. Viewers posted screenshots of the film credits on Twitter, which states George Osborne, Chancellor of the Exchequer and First Secretary of State, United Kingdom. Ed Vasey, the Minister for Culture and Digital Economy, is also thanked personally. Mr Osborne committed £25 million of taxpayers' money to support the film, and while the government is often credited in films, it is an unusual step for the name of a minister to be named, and Star Wars fans reacted angrily on social media. Mr Osborne, a keen Star Wars fan whose favourite character is said to be Han Solo, I don't believe him, that's bollocks, <laughs> was reportedly booed when he turned up to the premiere. And I love, See, I told you yeah, and I love this, Rob. <laughs> It was also claimed that the Star Wars PR team had proposed the idea of stormtroopers being stationed outside Downing Street for a photo shoot, but Mr. Osborne backtracked on the idea because it would, in quotes, make us look like fascists. <laughs> yes, I've heard this as well. <laughs> I just like the I mean, I don't how How on earth could it make, make you look more like fascists, is what he should have said. Yeah, well, at least we know there's one Dark Lord of the Sith named in the credits. Um, yeah. <laughs> a, a Downing Street source said they hadn't heard of the idea, but signal there'd been many proposals for photo shoots by movie PRs who, in quotes, have big ideas. Instead, all the PR team got was the Chancellor stood outside his front door making really bad Star Wars jokes. He said, it's a great day for our filmmaking in this country and it clearly shows the forces with us. It's a boost for our culture and our oh, film industry. Fucking penis. Sorry. <laughs> Comments, Rob. Den simply says... The vile politician has managed to even spoil a rather good film by showing his name in the film credits. How seriously sad and very deluded this prick is. Because the speculation is, Rob, that the only reason he is named and Ed Vasey is named is because they asked for a personal name mentioned in the credits. That's what I was assuming, yeah. Which would make sense considering the man's a sociopath. Uh, Super Meerkat says, I can just imagine Georgie Boy thinking, the vile masses like this Star Wars thing. I will surely be endeared to them if I associate my name with that. Oh, God, that's... Oh, Jesus Christ, that's a very real possibility. Loing Rider says, Loingy Rider says, so Palpatine isn't the only evil Chancellor in Star Wars? Nice, very nice, yeah. Dez says, the next film in the series is Star Wars Rogue One. Apparently, they've recruited British Army personnel, including members of the Army Air Corps, to ensure the authenticity of the combat sequences for the film shoot at Carrigan in Bedfordshire. It's not funny, just thought that was interesting. Um, and uh, Des says Osborne's credit is downright bizarre. When the original Star Wars shot was shot at Elstree in 1976, Dennis Healy didn't receive a credit over the end titles because the old and long defunct Edie Levy brought production to Britain, and similarly, many of the other productions brought to the UK. So it's just names like you know the the government of the UK, not a personal credit. And yeah, uh, Anon193206 simply says, I don't mind the UK government contributing to this film. However, it shouldn't have George Osborne's name on it unless he had personally contributed large sums to the project. It is, after all, the UK taxpayer who is making the contribution, not him. So, yes. I got, Alex, I'm going to have to ask this. And for any, any listeners who haven't seen uh, The Force Awakens, please turn off now because I'm about to ask a spoiler. Uh, in your opinion... Yeah, okay, give it a break. And uh, now, spoiler alert, go on. Okay. Um, Snook, the supreme, Snoke, the supreme leader... Snoke, not Snoke. Snoke, sorry, yeah. Who, who do you think he is? Uh, I've got no idea. Uh, and it's, it's, there's a lot of speculation about it. I suspect it's... Have you watched Revenge of the Sith yet? 
No, but I, I've read something. I've read some theories online that said that he's apparently Palpatine's mentor. Yeah, in in Revenge of the Sith, he talks to Anakin about his 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 master, his uh, his mentor called Darth Plagueis, who he said was killed in his sleep. So I suspect that it's likely him. But I'd be very surprised if it's just a brand new character. But what did you think of Han Solo's death? Did you think they should have killed him off? I think they had to. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it was uh, it was very distressing to see. But I think in order to, to for I suppose the dark side to develop in in Kylo Ren, I think it was it was crucial. And also, I think it's pretty clear that Hans, uh, that Harrison Ford had that stipulation in his contract. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Okay, Rob, you got a story for us there. Yeah, this is from the good old Swindon Advertiser. Uh, the journalist is Eve Buckland, and it's a Christmas-related story because Christmas has passed, and, uh, but we like to keep the festive spirit going here on LA Podcast. So um, the headline, vegetarians served at Christmas uh, turkey Christmas dinner as messenger complaints mount. Messenger, by the way, is the pub that they visited, so, so make that clear. Sorry, what was the headline again? Vegetarians served up turkey Christmas dinner as messenger complaints mount. Right. So vegetarian orders a Christmas dinner and gets turkey instead. Yes. Not right. just that. A, veg- a vegetarian claims she was served up a, a turkey Christmas dinner and a stone-cold lunch during a pub's disastrous Christmas Day service. Oh. Uh, she. It's good, mate. It's good. Uh, Sheila Curtis from Covingham was part of a six-strong party that booked into the Messenger pub in Covium Drive from 2.15pm. For £37.99, the Green King-owned pub offered a three-course set menu complete with mince pies and coffee. But Sheila said her party was th- was treated to lukewarm soup, stale bread and cold Christmas lunch served three hours late, which they refused to eat. There's an episode title in that sentence you just read out. Uh, lukewarm soup, stale bread, and cold Christmas lunch. Served at served three hours late. I think it was served three hours late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that has to be uh, our episode title, I believe. Okay, no Espe- especially as this episode will be somewhat late. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. Yeah, um, it was disgusting, and I was appalled in every way. It was disastrous. Sheila said, after waiting two hours for starter, which which were lukewarm, we waited three hours for a main course. I got given turkey when ordered nut roast. I told them. <laughs> order this but they wouldn't listen right so how- well, she's a vegetarian and they just refuse to serve her anything else which I quite like <laughs> yeah it sounds to me like they were they were horrendously uh like they just couldn't cope with the clients i think they were just completely overwhelmed because i've read i've read another story exactly the same sort of thing the same pub um a family complaining and has apparently said they were forced to eat quality street whilst waiting <laughs> for them forced <laughs> to eat was- for- forced huh well, I say for I say for Street Corner Street. I think that they met, there was obviously a conscious decision to eat College Street whilst waiting for their main course. Um, after waiting two hours for starters, which were lukewarm, we waited for three hours. For, oh, sorry, I just read that. Um, Sheila visited with friends and family, including husband Martin and mother Kathleen. By five pm, I've had enough. I gathered up all the plates and dumped them on the bar. Sheila was given a partial refund, but said that the dining experience had ruined her day. I don't understand. It's not. How they could only offer a partial refund. What did they say? Well, you ate the peas. <laughs> you had to start. You had to deserve. What's, what's the problem? We'll give you a partial refund. You didn't need the main, but you, may, you ate, you know, we, we've, we've done the math on this and technically you've eaten 50% of the meal. Exactly. 
I love if they if, if places actually did that. They actually calculated on a, on a percentage basis how much they're going to refund. Yeah. Um, and presumably, if you regurgitate the rest later, then you can get more money back. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as long as you, you put it into a bag and take it back to the restaurant in the space of seven days. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even about the money. My mum wanted to have some family time with us, and she wouldn't even get an edible meal. I felt like crying because it didn't feel like Christmas. All I had in the fridge was some frozen chicken and some microwave rice. I had to give my elderly mother that on Christmas Day. What did she give her elderly mother? Frozen chicken and microwave rice. Yes, <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah. Beautiful. I would have killed for um, that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's she complaining about? Uh, yes, they have reported on the uh, Mida Harris family who ended up eating Quality Street to fill themselves up after they waited more than an hour for starters and were served rock hard stuffing balls for their main meal <laughs> at the Mexican. <laughs> Sorry, rock hard stuffing balls. Oh, That's right. Yes. If you could fit that into that episode title, into that earlier, <laughs> into that earlier string of, string of uh, whatever it was. I'll see what I can do. Like stale food, rock hard stuffing balls. Yeah. Um, messenger regular Samantha, Samantha Fox. I'm guessing oh. not the ex page three model. Oh right. Um, well, it could be I suppose. From Parkside through Diamond, Sheila said, "We go there every week for a roast dinner, and we've never had any problems." It's pretty much always been great, but something went wrong Christmas Day. It was like everything fell apart after 2pm. Sheila ended up ordering an Indian takeaway to satisfy her hunger. I don't think I'll be eating a chicken bolty for my Christmas dinner, but when that was the only place open and we were starving. Rob, do you understand people who go out for Christmas lunch? Well, I have to say, I've done it before. My, my dad once decided he couldn't cook when we went out for a Christmas dinner. It's actually, I find it somewhat depressing. Yeah. Mm, I agree, and I think I think I've I've heard that the quality that you often get is not that great. No, because I think they they and what I think because obviously the, the the prices tend to be quite exorbitant. They they are clearly making a profit on well the lowly and vulnerable mainly. <laughs> <laughs> because when we went, obviously it was, it was just me and my dad at that point, and uh, we were sitting there surrounded by a lot of single elderly people. Was this when you were young? Christmas was this when you were young? Yeah, unfortunately so. I'm trying to think. I'd I must have been in my early teens, I think. It's quite encouraging, Rob, that that only happened the once. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad it did as well. Um, in a Facebook post, uh, Messenger Manager Jamie Williams apologised for letting, letting down the diners. Folks, I want to apologise for everything that happened yesterday. And I promise you that no one is more let down than, than myself as a manager. I've no idea what went wrong in the kitchen, but the people you eat with us regularly know that this is not like the messenger. I know I can't put yesterday right as it's done, as it's done, sorry, it's been done, but it would be in contact with you individually to discuss this matter further. I can't apologise enough to each and every one of you. Can I just say, the one, the one mistake he made in that apology, which was otherwise good, was I've no idea what went on in the kitchen. He's the manager. It's his job to know what the fuck is going on in that <laughs> kitchen and to have found out since what caused this problem. How can he fix it if he's got no idea how it happened? Oh, exactly. And also, I think if if you're charging punters thirty seven ninety nine a head Bloody for hell. a pub lunch, I think you have a duty to find out what's going on in that fucking kitchen. Uh, I agree. Okay, Rob. It is time now for my, before we get to listener story, which everybody is, of course, looking forward to our listener story of the week. It's now time, Rob, for my main story. Now, I think I might have mentioned to you, Rob, before we did this podcast. I can't remember if I did or not. 
that I've got a story here to rival the Buddy story. Yes, you did. I mean, and that's quite a claim. Yeah. Now, the Buddy um, story was a the Buddy story was a story. I'm not going to go over the whole thing again because I have to keep reiterating every time we mention it. It was about a guy who befriended a cat, stray cat, made him his best friend, fed it every night, and then believed that the cat was getting into arguments with him. I think the guy was obviously mentally ill. And one day, an argument with the cat got particularly heated, and he put the cat in a microwave and microwaved it to death. A real Christmassy story, Rob, and I've got another one for you. Now, <laughs> I do believe this rivals it. It's, okay. It's the details of this story, Rob. It, this, this story is quite horrific, but it's worth reading oh, out. Okay. It's by Rebecca Flood. We don't know if she does. On the 21st of December, which is where nearly all my stories seem to come from, motting a man guilty of killing his dog by hanging it outside his house. Oh, my God, that's horrific. Right. Be prepared for the details because it is quite extraordinary. This. A motting okay. a man has been found guilty of killing his dog by strangling it and hanging it outside his house with a rope as it gasped for air. Everald James, 48, appeared at Bexley Magistrates Court yesterday charged with causing unnecessary suffering to an animal. He was found guilty of the charge, which he had denied. Previously of Beaconsfield Parade, James, also known as, in quotes, Shadow. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Was heard, was, well, yeah, also known as Shadow, was heard shouting at about 8pm on September the 6th. The dog, Boise, was a dark brown male bull mastiff weighing 31 kilograms and was about three years old. A post oh, mm. uh, uh, well, 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 let, Let's slow this down. So you have the man, Shadow, who is denying the allegation that he strangled his dog. His dog, whose name is Boise? Yes. As in the character from Only Fools and Horses? He might be I know, that's, that's, uh, that's Boise, isn't it? Boise, yeah. Well, I guess it's a bit like, bit like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, just want to clarify. Right. Okay, carry on. A post-mortem examination gave multiple factors in the cause of death, including asphyxia, adding there was an indication of blunt force trauma and signs on Borsi's claws and teeth, which would indicate a struggle. Red marks were also seen around the dog's neck. Prosecuting Patricia Strabino. Have you ever heard a more lawyer attorney name? Patricia Strabino. She sounds like she could literally be out of, um, of uh, LA. What's it called? L- LA no, is that a law? Yeah, yeah. Said, the defendant is alleged to have hung his pet dog with a rope on railings outside his house. He says oh. the dog died accidentally. What? Yes. Giving evidence, neighbour, Harlan Horsford. These all sound like they're Americans. Harlan Horsford. Yeah, anyway. Giving evidence, neighbour, Harlan Horsford, said he heard shouting and told the court, when I opened the front door, I saw Everald. He had the dog with a rope wrapped round its throat repeatedly hitting the dog in the face and throat with his left hand. He stated that the rope was wrapped around a metal railing, one end strangling the dog and the other end being pulled by James' right hand as he hit him with his left. Mr Horsford continued, the dog was secured to the railings. I confronted him. He confronted Shadow. I said, let go. And he wouldn't. He said he doesn't care about the police or the RSPCA. He's named Shadow and no one can tell him nothing. It's his dog. So he said. So he says, "Let the dog go," and he goes, "He goes, let the dog go." I'm going to tell the police. I'm going to tell the RSPCA. Shadow says, "I don't give a fuck about the police or the RSA. My name's Shadow. No one can tell me what to do. It's my dog." So the neighbour says, "Harlan." So I punched him in the face. <laughs> 
He fell back on the floor and Boise dropped to the floor. I took the rope off Boise's neck. He couldn't breathe properly. He was gasping for air. I pushed his tongue to the left. He had saliva all in his mouth. I was trying to breathe air into him. So this neighbour gave mouth to mouth to a bull mastiff. Amazing. That's amazing. His back legs were twitching. He made his last breath and passed away. He was a lovely dog. Very loving. Very gentle. While giving evidence, Mr. Horsford, the neighbour, broke down in tears and had to compose himself. (laughs) He said that throughout the attack, Boise's legs were not able to reach the floor and he scrabbled to get a footing. James, the shadow, was arrested later that day. So this is what he says. This is what Shadow says happened. You ready? Okay. He initially stated he was taking the dog outside to do its business and dragged it through a crowd of people, inadvertently strangling it. (laughs) (laughs) What? He says, he initially said, I was taking the dog out to do a shit and I dragged it through a crowd of people and inadvertently strangled it. Does he... Does he understand how dog leads work? <laughs> right. But while giving evidence, he claimed it was actually a tug of war between him and Miss, Mr. Horsford, which accidentally killed the dog. So he changed his story and then claimed that him and the neighbour got involved in the tug of war over the dog, and that's how the dog died. So was he... I don't understand. How, how was a tug of war involving the dog? Unless they literally well, the, presu- the tug of war was around the dog's neck. Well, presumably, the dog was wearing a lead, and one person was tugging on the lead, the other was tugging on the dog, and the dog died that way. But, but bear in mind, Rob, all this is bullshit. He's been found guilty. Um, yeah. The shadow who admitted he had been drinking that day, said, right, yeah. <laughs> he grabbed the lead. I said, let go of my dog. He said he wanted a dog. I just kept pulling my dog, not looking back. <laughs> Hang on. I just kept pulling my dog, not looking back. When I turned around, I saw the dog on the floor. I could never harm my dog. It's what keeps me alive. I've got a 15-year-old daughter I can't see. I bought the dog to keep me company. He's not blind. Um, he's saying he's not allowed access to his daughter. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of understand if this is the way he treats his do- dog, why he may not be able to see his daughter. Uh, similar, similar comment in the comments section, which I'm coming to. When passing the verdict, magistrates described his testimony as, in quotes, not credible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's due to be sentenced in January. That's as all, I think that's as good as the buddy story. It's up there, Rob. That is very entertaining. Yeah, I uh, have to agree with that. Jippo Joe says, Everald James, you are lower than a snake's belly. You piece of shit. I hope karma gets you by the testicles. Nice. Uh, Emblem says, alcohol strikes again. Granted, this man was probably no angel before he started drinking, but adding booze certainly doesn't help. You can't see your fifth-year-old daughter. I wonder why. Might end up killing her next, you waste of oxygen cretin. There's still time left for you to turn your life around or just fuck off to a deserted island where no one will have to deal with you. As it is now, you definitely won't be missed. Hmm. Comment of the week. <laughs> uh, Pam Cottrell says, how can this terrible, just unbelievable killing of a dog by hanging go before magistrates with their limited powers? Probably be a slap on the wrist. The suffering the animal went through is too much to take in. The bravery of the man who tried to save the dog, taking on a horrible drunk, is tremendous. He deserves recognition for his actions. The sentencing should be by a high court judge, should be at least two years inside, where he would meet his comeuppance and never be allowed to have any animal again. For God's sake, let us stop. This terrible cruelty to animals. Romany77 says, Totally evil, cowardly, rotten excuse for a human being. An eye for an eye. 
Hang the bastard very slowly. Words fail to adequately describe this moron without being deleted. Okay. Yeah, they're getting more and more heated, aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I've got to read some more because they really are quite extraordinary. Cassie Lou right. says, I hope this man gets locked up and severely beaten by other inmates. <laughs> you never know. He might get involved in tug of war where he's torn apart. Rob, this is at the time of Christmas where we should be showing our Christian spirit. Christian spirit isn't so much eye for an eye, but turn the other cheek and forgive those who hurt you. Um, but this person says, no, no, fuck that. I hope this man gets locked up and severely beaten by other inmates while he's in there. I hope he gets cancer and dies a slow, painful death like that poor dog. I'm not sure the dog had cancer, but bloody hell, I mean... Can I just read that I, again, Rob? I just by read... no means do I justify what he's doing. I, 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 I'm an animal lover and I could never, ever justify what his actions but, are. But, are wishing, but wishing cancer upon him is, is uncalled for. Yeah, Can, yeah. I just want to read that again, Rob, so you get the very rapid escalation here. I hope this man gets locked up and severely beaten by inmates while he's in there, and I hope he gets cancer and dies a slow, painful death. Like that poor dog. What a vile, evil scumbag of a human being. And hats off to that man for trying to help him. Because if I'd been there, I'd have done whatever it took to save that dog. I just hope this scumbag has the worst possible luck for the rest of his life. I really do. So she's not wishing him rehabilitation, Rob. She's not wishing him redemption. Just bad luck for the rest of his life. Well, it's not even bad luck. It's just death. <laughs> he just wants him dead by the sound of it. Well, after being beaten by inmates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course. Okay, mate, it is now time for our listener story of the week. Who is it from this week, Rob? So this week it's from Craig in Newport, obviously. A, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a regular contributor. I, I just Sorry, listeners, I do apologise. It's 20 to 11. My, my, uh, my um, vocabulary is waning somewhat. Uh, yes, 20, 20, uh, that's 20 Craig. to 11 in the evening, by the way. And for any of our listeners who don't know... Craig does live in Newport on a caravan atop a skip, doesn't he? Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah, we need to remember that as well. Um, but we don't know whether he has on mod cons or whether um, he just I suppose, manages with fire. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the story he sent is actually for the mirror. So technically, it's not a local news story. But um, we'll take it. We will take it because it is a cracker. So the story is by Tess Delamere and headline. Now, Alex, you'll have to stick with this. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Homeless ex-lawyer who sneaked into woman's bedroom dressed in fishnecks and g-string mistook her for giant panda. Very occasionally, listeners, we get a headline. Well, not that occasionally, actually, more often than you think. That's almost that's impossible to process when you hear it the first time round. There is so much packed into that headline. Uh, uh, let me tell you what I remember. A homeless ex-lawyer, something to do with lingerie, and a giant panda. Can you read out the headline again? Sure. Homeless ex-lawyer who sneaked into woman's bedroom dressed in fishnets and g-string mistook her for giant panda. It still makes, makes no sense whatsoever. Some headlines are a bit like trailers that give away the entire movie, aren't they, Rob? Yes, that's right. And then there's others that you, just, you watch it and think, what the fuck have I just seen? Right, so go on then. Irish-born Desmond Moran was cleared of trespass with intent to commit a sexual offence after saying he'd taken too many drugs to know what he was doing. Ah, that old defence, right. 
A homeless former lawyer who sneaked into a woman's bedroom wearing fishnet stockings and a purple g-string has been cleared of trespassing. Irish-born Desmond Moran, 53, claimed he had taken too many drugs that he thought the terrified woman was a giant panda. Um, (laughs) I'm aching. I want this story in front of me so I can read it. Go on. Keep telling me. He could not recall why he was dressed in women's underwear when he got into her Bayswater flat. Uh, The woman told the court she was sleeping in bed with her two children. I mean, that's a bit strange. uh, When she awoke to find Moran (laughs) staring at her from the doorway. Oh, my. In lingerie. In this. In In lingerie. In this. And like I said, he he had no idea why he was wearing lingerie. Where did he get it? Hang on a minute. Where did he get it from? No nose. Well, if they're pre- did they did they test him and was there proof there were drugs in his system? Because anyone can say that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, okay. Um, she watched as he slowly crossed the room to stare out the window. Uh, jaws at Southern Crown Court stifled giggles <laughs> as they were shown the, the stockings and g-string um, Moran had been wearing. The woman, who cannot be named, told the court, "I woke up and saw him there, and he was where he was just looking at us." I felt like he was looking at me, even though the kids were there. Rob, I that, said, that would oh, be... Rob, hang on a minute, Rob. That would be terrifying. What, to, to wake up to find a man in your doorway dressed in just a G-string and suspenders? Yeah, you would think you were having a, a, a horrendous nightmare. Well, consider, especially considering what happened next, yeah. Um, so I said, who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing in my apartment? That's when would I you would you have the would you have the wherewithal to say that? I wouldn't. No, I think I'd just be reaching for my phone to try and call the police at that stage. I don't think the, my first thing was trying to ask why he because I mean he's never going to give you a legitimate answer for him to be there, is he? I think I would have already climbed out the window and left the kids to fend for themselves. Yeah, a, a lot like the cougar attack from last week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's where I started getting quite anxious. I mean, that's when you started getting anxious, really. <laughs> this woman is amazing. Started, yeah. And I started to scream at him, and the kids woke up. When I first saw him, I couldn't see much. I thought he had an apron on. He wasn't wearing trousers or a jacket. It was like a costume. And when he went to the window and started and turned around, I could see his bottom. I think he had a G-string on. Um, she said Moran did not answer, even when she started shouting at him during the encounter in the middle of the night on the 14th of July this year. After Moran, after Moran left, she ran to her living nanny's room and locked herself in, locked herself and her children in until the police arrived. Moran was quickly discovered down in the basement of the block of flats in a shelter used to keep the communal bins, still wearing his fishnet stockings <laughs> and a g-string. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, as you would, you know, if you spins in his house, you would just rinse the, rinse the bins. Um, his, ba- his backpack, a black laptop, and a variety of drug paraphernalia were also found in the concrete floor of the basement. Moran, who was high on crack cocaine and crystal meth, I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a combination, to be fair. Yeah. Um, has been sleeping rough for a number of years. Uh, he's, minute, he's been the... sleeping rough. Where did he get this fishnet and g-string from? Alice, it's not just that. Where did he? Ha- where did he get a laptop from? That's a good point. You see, even the homeless now are living in luxury. Well, it just, just goes to show that you know there's Wi-Fi everywhere these days. Before we know, he you know he he ordered this stuff off the internet and had it delivered to this uh, to, to this out, uh, to outside McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he said he went to the block of flats to get a bed for the night and denied ever seeing the woman. He added, I honestly didn't see a woman on the bed. I didn't see any children in the bed. I honestly thought it was a big a big panda bear in the bed. That's what it looked like to me. How did he get the into the house? How did he get into the house? 
Doesn't say. Because he must have broken into it. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, he must have broken in, but there's no there's no reference of that. Um, I'd, I'd take some drugs, but I was pretty certain that's what I saw. I didn't see any women. I didn't see any kids. Were they under the panda? I mean, that's always a good, good question to ask, isn't it? What did he say? Were they under the panda? He, did, he didn't oh, see being, I don't believe him. He's being a prick. If you think he's Well, oh, I don't know. If I was the judge, I, at that point, I would have lost my rag, Rob, I'll be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Ran, a Reggie from County Tipperary, continued, I went to the bay window. The window was open. I thought, why is this window open? I looked over and I looked down the street. Then I thought, I'm just going to leave. I was nearly out of the room. I hadn't seen the woman. Then it all happened so quickly. She started screaming, who are you? Get out of my house. <laughs> probably fair then the kids started screaming but it didn't seem like real kids screaming it didn't seem real it only sounded like a tape recording of kids screaming that's because you were high on crack cocaine and crystal meth (laughs) (laughs) and believe that you were talking to a giant panda Um, Ryan could not explain why he was wearing the stockings and g-string he said uh, I could make summaries but I don't know I wasn't in full full control of my reasoning or faculties that's why I kept moving I went up three or four landings I kept going upstairs. I stopped on the landing, then I came to the property, then entered. I have no idea why I was there or what I was doing. I turned the handle and it wasn't locked. Ah, oh, that's how he got in. But it doesn't say, well, I mean, there's no nothing to say that, that that's been validated. I can't believe this woman just had left her front door open. No, they sound like a well-to-do family. They've got a live-in nanny and they live in Bayswater. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Um... I was wearing fishnet stockings, underwear, and I was also wearing a T-shirt. I had no shoes on. I had no socks on. Uh, I think I was conscious. I wasn't wearing trousers, but not in the way that I would be conscious if I was standing there without them on. This sounds like an Alan Partridge breakdown episode. It does. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a man who obviously is probably got some mental health needs as well, apart from being quite a serious drug addict. He just surmises by saying, um, I think it was a reaction to the cocktail of drugs. I'm not trying to run away or hide from anything. I hold my hands up. Uh, Rand of no fixed abode, sober, sobered in the dock as the jury cleared him of trespassing with intent to commit a sexual offence after just 30 minutes of deliberation. Sorry, so why did they clear him? He's committed an offence. He was high on drugs, Al. But is it taking drugs a criminal offence, as far as I recall? Alex, it's not about that. Okay, this man had a genuine hell belief that he was talking to a giant panda and didn't realise that he was actually talking to a terrified woman and her children whilst wearing G-strings and suspenders. So can I just ask, the fact that you stand up in a court and say, yeah, I was high on cocaine and crystal meth, which caused me to unlawfully enter somebody's house in their bedroom, is not a criminal offence? Apparently not, according to this, uh, according to Southern Crown Court, no. (laughs) Oh, Southern Crown Court? Oh, this is small fry for around there, Rob, small fry. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. And also, 30 minutes of deliberation, so that means literally after like, after the first count of, of, of the jurors, they've just they just acquitted him from the off. I think they're all just sitting there laughing, Rob, in the, in the deliberation room. I think, I think they just saw him as what he was, a lovable rogue. I'll tell you what, Rob, the Irish can get away with anything, can't they? I mean, well, you say well, that, Alex, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all remember the troubles. Uh, anyway, on that, Sombering note. <laughs> we bring this episode of Local Anesthetic to a close, episode 163. Um, as we look forward with a mi- mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which will be obviously 
next sequentially 164 as we move ever more forward like well it's got to be this guy hasn't it like a man high on crack cocaine and crystal meth dressed in nothing but a t-shirt fishnet stockings and a purple g-string wandering into a woman's house into her bedroom where she's lying in bed with her kids and having a conversation with a giant panda or what he believes to be a giant panda just like that we move ever more forward to our next episode rob which means, Rob, that all that remains is to say goodbye to this episode. Because even remotely, Rob, the episode would still like to say goodbye to you. Bye, episode. Good night. And do you know what? I'm not going to piss about it. I'll go to bed. Bye, Rob. Happy Christmas. Bye. To you. Happy New Year. I'm so tired. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very Don't shiny you... nose. Oh. Rudolph the no. Rope. No, sir. Bye, Rob. Bye. Happy New Year. See you Happy in 2016. Ah! Yay. He's gone. He's very excited to see you again in 2016, Rob. We can be found We can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. We're on Twitter at at lapodcast. And we're on Tumblr at lapodcast.tumblr. Com. And if you want to submit us a story, you can post it on Facebook, you can uh, tweet us it, or of course you can email it to us at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That is lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's it, Rob. Happy Christmas, Rob, and a Merry New Year. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for your support across the year, and we hope you've enjoyed it. We shall be back in 2016. I don't know, Rob, hopefully we can get this up before 2016. <laughs> All being well. Well, if not, listeners, I hope you had a very happy uh, New Year's Eve and uh, we'll see you all in in the new year. Uh, I I do need to point out for listeners that Rob appears absolutely shattered. I mean, I've literally got nothing left. (laughs) Quite literally. God bless. (laughs) And keep it local.